0: We're going to spend some time now looking at that second Bible reading from Acts chapter 20. So if you've got your Bibles there, it would be helpful to have them open at that passage or your devices or whatever you can look at there. Let's pray though as we come to reflect on this together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are not silent, but in fact that you have spoken to us. And we pray this morning in particular that you'll help us to so value the preciousness of knowing that our Creator has spoken and to want to hear what you have to say to us, to want to be revived and refreshed and encouraged by these words. And we pray that that will be what happens together this morning. Amen. I should say also there will be a chance for questions a bit later on, so any questions that come up on the way through, just kind of make a mental note of those and um, you can ask them a bit later on. It seems to me that at this time of year in particular that whenever I ask someone, how are you going? The answer, more often than not, is busy. I don't know if you find yourself giving that answer or you find yourself hearing that answer when people ask that question, but that seems to me to be the prevailing kind of mindset. I was at the shops the other day and I was chatting with a guy who was serving me at the shops and I asked him how he was looking forward to Christmas. I I was just trying to kind of get a conversation started that maybe would give an opportunity to talk about Jesus but for him, looking forward to Christmas was all about what he hasn't done yet. This is a young guy, a teenager, uh, but it was all about I haven't finished the Christmas shopping, there's so much still to do. That's what looking forward to Christmas was about for him. And I suspect that that guy's probably not that different to a lot of us. The overwhelming experience of the Christmas season is busyness. Now, that's entirely understandable. There's a lot going on at this time of year. We're trying to pack a lot of extra things into our already busy lives. But at the same time, you know, what a tragedy it is when the stress of busyness at Christmas distracts us from the very thing that Christmas is meant to be about. You know? the, the very celebration that is meant to make us stop and remember one of the most crucial moments in the best news that the world has ever seen, when God became one of us to save us, when God stepped into our world, when God drew near to us in the person of Jesus so that we can draw near to our Creator, when that becomes, frankly, almost an afterthought in the busyness and stress of what we call the silly season. And my hope is that today, perhaps we can just take a moment to push back on that a little bit. Now, this part of Acts that we're looking at today is not about Christmas, but it does give us, I think, a bit of a wake-up call to just how precious it is to be encouraged by the word of God and the message of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, at this time of year certainly, but, in fact, at any time of year. And the first thing that we're going to notice in this chapter is Paul's ministry of strengthening and encouraging other Christians. Now, if you've been following along with us in the series of Acts that we've been going through for a while, then you might have noticed that strengthening and encouraging other Christians isn't particularly one of the massive things that we think the book of Acts is about. Because the book of Acts is about the message of Jesus spreading to new parts of the world, as new people become followers of Jesus in new places. And so it begins at the start of Acts with only 120 believers in the entire world. And by the time we get to chapter 20 that we're looking at today, there have been thousands upon thousands of new believers across Asia and then Europe. There have been obstacles in the way, but the consistent theme of the message is that the message of Jesus is unstoppable. That's why we've named the series The Unstoppable Gospel. That despite all the challenges, we keep hearing this repeated phrase, and so the word of God continued to flourish and spread. So that's kind of what the book of Acts is largely about. But one of the things that I think we tend to overlook in Acts is that it's not just about the message going to new places. And here in chapter 20, Paul is on his third missionary journey And it started back in chapter 18, where Paul sets out with the purpose of strengthening and encouraging people who are already Christians. And so I've got chapter 18 and verse 23 up there on the screen. If you have a look at that along with me, this is what happened. It says, after spending some time in Antioch, which was kind of Paul's home base, Paul set out from there and travelled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, where he'd already been, Strengthening all the disciples. See, this missionary journey that Paul is currently on is about going to places where he has already been, where people have already become followers of Jesus so that he can encourage them in their faith. And so when we get to chapter 20 that we looked at this morning and in verse 2, we hear, verse 2, he travelled through that area, that is through Macedonia, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, that is, the new Christians from his previous visit, and finally arrived in Greece. So this chapter in particular, chapter 20, is about Paul's ministry of encouragement, of encouraging people who are already believers. In fact, everything that happens in this chapter is Paul speaking to believers In fact, the second half of the chapter, which we're not going to look at today, is Paul's only recorded speech that is entirely to believers. But my point is that as much as Paul is committed to the message of Jesus going to new places, he's also committed to encouraging believers in their faith. And now that I've kind of noticed that, what I did was I went back through the book of Acts and noticed that this is actually not that uncommon. That is, for people to to strengthen and encourage other believers in their faith. So back in chapter 11, it's Barnabas. He went to check a, a group of new believers, a, new, a group of non-Jewish believers in Antioch, and in chapter 11, verse 23, it says this. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. That's Barnabas, chapter 11. In chapter 14, it's Barnabas and Paul. They were strengthening the the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. So that time it was particularly encouraging them in the face of difficulties and hardships to keep going in trusting Jesus even when it's hard. And in chapter 15, it's Judas and Silas. In uh, chapter 15, verse 32, it says, Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. So encouraging and strengthening was actually a theme that is going through the book of Acts, and that brings us back to chapter 20, where Paul is in Macedonia speaking many words of encouragement to the believers. See, Paul knows that just as important as people putting their trust in Jesus, so he goes to tell people about that, Is for those people to keep going in trusting Jesus in the long term. That they trust Jesus to the end. And that requires being being strengthened and encouraged in faith. And as I said, that's the purpose of his current missionary journey. And that's really the theme that we're looking at today. What it looks like to have this, this commitment of being strengthened and encouraged and strengthening and encouraging others. And in verses 7 to 12, the second part of our reading today, we get, I think, a little snippet of what that looked like in the city of Troas. And what we see here in Troas is a remarkable commitment to hearing the word of God. That's really, hearing the word of God is really what's at the core of being encouraged in faith, the, the, the message of Jesus. That's at the core of it. And and. and it seems to me that the second part of this passage that, that you heard as Peter read for us, it's, it's really quite memorable. It's, not, it's so dramatic. It's you know, a guy falling out the window and dying because the preacher preached for too long. You know, it's almost funny right? in that all's well that ends well kind of way. And I still remember the first time that I heard about this guy, Eutychus. And I thought, how have I never heard of this guy before? It's, it's hilarious. It's the kind of thing that if it was captured on video, it would definitely go viral online you know, poor Eutychus he's probably had a hard day's work you know, church on Sunday was Sunday was a work day and they would have come to church after a long day of work and this was a long meeting right it would have started probably at sunset and by midnight Paul is still speaking he literally says Paul talked on and on and you can kind of imagine it going on and on and on and By the time it got to midnight, Eutychus was really feeling it. The upstairs rooms were usually small and cramped, and we're told there were lots of lamps burning, so it would have been stuffy. Maybe that's why he was sitting by the window to try and get some fresh air, although it didn't seem to work for him at this point. You can imagine Eutychus kind of fighting to stay awake, you know, with the the long blinks and and the head nods that keeps kind of jerking himself back awake, but eventually he loses it. He doesn't just fall asleep, he falls out the window and falls three stories down and hits the ground dead. And if that's not dramatic enough, look at what happens next. Paul goes downstairs, throws himself on top of Eutychus, wraps his arms around him and he comes back to life. That is not something that the church in Troas is going to forget anytime soon. But what are we meant to take from this? Now, there's, a, there's a joke that goes around amongst preachers that uses this episode, this passage, to say, don't preach long, boring sermons unless you can also raise the dead. It sounds like good advice. There's actually, there's actually even a book that I've got on my bookshelf which is titled Saving Eutychus, which is about how to not bore people to death while preaching. And you might say to me, you should read that more often. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> or maybe you'd flip it around from your own perspective and think, well, maybe you know, if I'm really tired, I should take the, take the hint and stay at home. You know, don't go to church if you're, if you're too tired. You, you might fall out a window and die. But none of those things are what this passage is really about. Everything in this chapter is about this ministry of encouragement, encouraging with the word of God that Paul is on, and this bit demonstrates just what a massive priority they had, right, on hearing the word of God. You know, Paul's priority on speaking it, the church's priority on hearing it, even Eutychus himself. And what would you do if someone preached for so long that someone in the church literally fell out the window and died? You know, I can imagine saying, well, let's not do that again. We should call it a night. We're all obviously really tired, we should all go home and and take a hint. And in fact, from now on, maybe we should have a rule that church shouldn't go for so long and the preachers should stop talking sooner. That's that's a good idea, right? But that's not what these guys did. Did you see what they did in verse eleven? They went back upstairs, had something to eat, and kept going till morning. They went back for round two. Even Eutychus stayed till morning. Even though Paul had a long journey ahead of him, he was leaving for his trip that that morning, his priority was on speaking the word of God to these people in in Troas and he stayed up all night to do it. And even though Eutychus was so tired he fell out the window, the church's priority was hearing the word of God and they stayed up all night to hear it. Yes, this event also involves a miraculous healing and it places Paul's ministry in the same line as some of those Old Testament prophets. You might have heard of Elijah and Elisha who did similar miracles to what Paul did just then and the Apostle Peter also did a similar miracle and all of that puts them in the line of the ministry of Jesus who has the power of life and death. So we have that going on here. But this is also a story about being committed to hearing the word of God. Yes, there was a particular urgency in this situation because Paul was leaving them that day and he wanted to make the most of the time that he had left with them. But even so, their priority is clear, right? These guys put such a massive premium on hearing the word of God. And think about it, how much easier is it for us to be able to hear the word of God in church, in Bible study groups, in our own homes, wherever we are. We can take our Bibles with us. We have them on our phones. We have them printed. But I wonder sometimes whether the easiness that we have is kind of offset by our apathy. You know, church will still be there next week. Bible study will still be there next week. My Bible will still be there on the shelf tomorrow The world won't stop spinning if I miss a day or miss a week. The Christians in Troas did not want to miss out on hearing the word of God, not for a few hours' sleep. They had something precious and they knew it. We have Netflix and social media and Christmas shopping to do and a dozen other things that take our attention and our time and our interest You know, I remember a few years ago hearing a story about what it was like for Christians in China when the Bible was banned, right? No one had a whole Bible. Some people had like one page only. Some other people had memorised a chunk of it. And so what they would do is they would walk for miles to gather together so that each one of them could share what each of them had because they knew how precious it was. They wanted to share it and they wanted to hear it all the more. And we have such easy access to our own Bibles. Most of us have more than one and we can have it on our phones instantly. We have absolute freedom to be able to meet publicly for church and for Bible study. Do we know how precious that is? Or is it just another burden that I need to cram into my already busy week and my already tired day? Now, this is not meant to be a guilt trip. I know that some of us are feeling kind of crushed by the weight of life and maybe even more so at this time of year. It's not a call to be superhuman, but it is, if you'll excuse the pun, meant to be a wake-up call. What is my priority of things to do in a week or in a day? Is hearing the word of God precious to me? If I believe that the word of God is precious, that it revives the soul, that it is the very words of the creator to me, the very words of life, then surely that changes how I think about it. It's no longer an extra weight to add burden to my already busy day. Instead, it's like an oasis in the desert. This is where refreshment is found. I wonder, do you believe that about hearing the word of God it doesn't mean that you won't fall asleep sometimes while reading the Bible or in church but you know for all the times I have fallen asleep while reading the Bible or have not felt motivated to do it there have been a hundred more times when I have been revived unexpectedly by what I find there but when my soul has been refreshed by reading God's word to me and I hope that you've had some experiences like that as well We don't just prioritise hearing the Bible read and hearing it taught and reading it ourselves out of some kind of religious duty or some kind of piety or because God will be upset with me if I don't do it. This is God speaking to us. This is our creator speaking words of eternal life. It is a precious gift and a privilege. You know, sometimes I'll let you in on a bit of a secret. Sometimes I I, I sit here and I see people kind of nodding off. You're doing those long blinks and the the head nods that Eutychus would have been doing that day. Or in Bible study, you know, we've got this really comfortable chair in our house. And I remember years ago, I was in a Bible study group where we just had to have a rule. If you're tired, you don't get to sit in that chair. (laughs) In fact, one guy was just permanently banned from sitting in that chair. He had to sit in a straight back chair all the time because people would fall asleep in it. But, you know, most of the time when I stand here and I see people kind of struggling to stay awake or even in Bible study when people are falling asleep, I'm actually encouraged most of the time because I think, well, you're that tired, but you still wanted to be here. You're that tired, but you're still keen to meet with other Christians and to hear the word of God. That was Eutychus. He was so tired he fell out the window and died. But even that didn't stop him and the rest of the church from listening to the word of God through the rest of the night. What an example for us, that is, to be people who are committed to hearing the word of God, the precious words of life that our creator speaks to us. And the last comment that I just want to make briefly is just returning to this idea of being committed to a ministry of encouragement and particularly to be committed to encouraging other people. See, it's not just the Apostle Paul who has a ministry of encouraging others to persevere in their faith. I've already mentioned that in Acts there's Barnabas, there's Judas, there's Silas as well. And, in fact, we are all commanded to do this encouraging others with the word of God. And if you were here in our series on the topic of church back in October, you might remember that the last one in the series, we did talk about the the idea that each one of us have a responsibility to be speaking the words of God to each other so that we can be encouraging each other and building each other up. And so this is just kind of coming back to, to that idea. The word of God is the source of encouragement, but each one of us are to be the vehicle of that encouragement, as we speak these words to each other. There's a, there's a classic verse in the Bible that is well known for the command and the responsibility that it gives us to be encouraging each other in the Christian life. Actually, I'm not even sure that we looked at it in our series on church, but it's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and it goes like this. "'Let us not give up meeting together, "'as some are in the habit of doing, "'but let us encourage one another.'" And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us encourage one another as we see the day when Jesus will return, when we see that approaching. One of the images of the Christian life is that it's like a race. In fact, like like a marathon. Now, I've never run a marathon and I have no intention to ever do so. But you don't have to, I think, of run a marathon to get the idea that it's long and hard and you need to have some kind of vision of the end, of what you're heading to, in order to be able to persevere when it's difficult. But the key thing about running the marathon of the Christian life is that we do it together, right? We do it with other people who are running with us. We have someone alongside us to spur us on to keep us going when it's hard, to remind us of the destination that we're heading towards, to let us know when we might be heading off track so that we head back on track, maybe even to put a hand on our back and help us up a hill when we're finding it too difficult on our own. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing for the Christians in Troas in that near-fatal night of the long church meeting. That's what Barnabas and Judas and Silas were doing in other places. And that's what we are called to do for each other. And this time of year, Christmas time, is purpose-built for these kind of encouragements. The message of Jesus is built into Christmas. It's what Christmas is about, that God loves you so much that he stepped into our world to become one of us for our sake. Your creator became one of us. He humbled himself for you. That's the message of Christmas. What a great thing to be reminded of. And so to finish, can I encourage each one of us with two things this Christmas season? That is, make sure, firstly, make sure that you value this kind of encouragement for yourself. That in all the busyness of Christmas and whatever else you have going on, and a lot of us have a lot going on, Make sure that you are being encouraged by the message of Jesus at Christmas. That's the first thing. And the second thing is find an opportunity to encourage someone else with this message. It might be sometime over the next week. It might be at one of our Christmas services. You just have an opportunity to speak a few words to somebody. It might be at one of your Christmas parties that you're going to. Remind someone of just how good this is that when Jesus was born, he was God with us, who came to save us. Even in the busyness and stress of everything else that's going on around us at the moment, in fact, perhaps especially because of the busyness and stress of everything else that's going on at the moment, this news is an encouragement that every single one of us needs. So will you be committed to this kind of encouragement for yourself and for others this Christmas? I hope that you will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us never to think lightly of the fact that our Creator has spoken to us. More than that, that our Creator has become one of us for our sake in Jesus. And we pray, Father, that you will help us to remember that this is what Christmas is about and that we will value this particularly now, but not even just now, but that, every, but at every time of the year, and that it will fill us with joy, that it will refresh and revive our soul. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.